I have to be delusional enough to think people are going to listen to this. It's thunderstorming outside. There's lightning. Hit me with it. Come on. How smart can you be when you have huge man tits? Okay, Ham. Go put your pronouns and go sit in the corner. I'll take care of this. It's just common sense. Hello, Mr. Grappler. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, commoner? I'm doing really well. Super excited for this episode. For those who may not know, could you introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. My name is Grappler, creating and building Grappler's Graveyard. At the moment, I've been in the jungle for as a bowtie for about 17, 18 months now. Um, and pretty much since day one, have been like following the jungle, bowtie bull, what you've been building, what other people have been building. And I took it upon myself the last 17 months to give it a go myself. And it's worked out pretty well so far. And so how did you originally find the jungle? I found money Twitter in in college and spent a lot of time like just diving into those rabbit holes towards the tail end of when Bull was finishing up Wall Street Playboys. I don't really know the story or anything like that was when I found his account. I followed him on my docs account and then watched the jungle grow, watched all these accounts spur up. And then towards the tail end of 2022, created my cartoon account and started building Grappler's Graveyard. That's awesome. And so what made you want to do a Bowtie account versus just keep going with your Doxed account? Yeah, because I always felt like ever since I was like in money Twitter, I tried so many different businesses and tried to do something, right? I've always known that I wanted to start an online business. I just didn't really have the resources or the knowledge to be able to actually do it. And I would take up these odd jobs or take up these odd projects that would just continuously fail. And I never really felt like the IRL crowd that I had was like supportive. Not that they had to be right now that I think about it, it's kind of like selfish that I was thinking that they had to support what I was doing, but I wasn't really adding all that much value at the end of the day. That's why it didn't work. But at the same time, I just saw so many anonymous people making it happen. And I knew with the skills that I had, that if I were to add value and create something that was, you know, interesting in some type of way, or just implement what people were actually saying, I would actually have an opportunity to grow. And it's worked out for the better. I've met, I have no idea who I know, right? Because we don't know, we don't know who we know. But I feel truly grateful to know the people that I know and interact with the people that I interact with, because I know I wouldn't have that anywhere else. It's insane, right? So just having DM conversations with people that own businesses that have actually done the thing that I'm looking to do is incredible. And I did not take that opportunity lightly. And I took it very seriously and applied what needed to be applied in order to make it work. So, and I'm still pretty early in this whole thing. There's a lot of bells and whistles that I still need to iron out, but, you know, nonetheless, like it's been a good, you know, first couple or 20 months, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, it was just thinking while you were talking, you're the first Gen Z person beside myself that's been on the podcast. I've only been really talking to people who are kind of the mentors of the jungle. So I'm actually really excited to have this conversation. And what you mentioned about like the ability to talk to these people and see people grow, the fact that there is a million dollar toothpaste company from anonymous cartoons, it keeps me up at night. 
every time I want to quit, I'm like, you know, it's possible that like, you don't have the excuse. And so every time I've thought about quitting, I'm like, Fawn is brilliant. Gator is brilliant, but they're just people. They figured it out. You don't have the excuse to quit. So I completely relate to that. And that has definitely been the existential crisis for myself. Yeah. And, you know, they did it anonymous too, right? right? So they can do it anonymous. Like, I I think that there's a difference between trying something and committing to something. It's just like the intensity behind those two things, right? When you try something, you kind of give yourself like an out. You're like, oh, I'm going to try this out for a certain amount of time. If I don't like it, you know, I'll maybe do it. I maybe won't. Like, I don't feel like doing this work today, so I'm not going to do it. But when you say like, no, I'm going to get this shit done. And I'm going to put my best effort into it and commit to this, whether that's like monetarily or just mentally from the jump. There, there's so much good advice and actual like advice from real business owners. You don't get that in the in the real world, right? Like, I mean, unless you're going to pay $10,000 for some random internet guru's course that teaches you how to drop ship some trinket from China. You know what I mean? So just, I just saw it from day one. Like this is so valuable for anybody that actually just wants to commit to something and build something. There's so many different ways to be able to do it. It it really opened up my eyes. Yeah. And I also think that, so some of the people I'm closest to in the jungle from like a mentorship perspective is Bowtie Jester, but also there have been instances where I have not taken his advice or other people's advice for whatever reason and they really did turn out to be right. So it's there is still learning by doing, but it's also like, okay, this guy really knows what he's doing. They say like, like fuck around and find out. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then you actually find out through fucking around. And, you know, <laughs> it works out sometimes, it doesn't work out, you know, but- I think you need to fail when you try though, because it's just not realistic to learn anything without it. And I think a lot of people listening are like, okay, you guys made your little anonymous accounts, but how did you start? So maybe we could both give the kind of series of steps that we've taken, because mine's been a bit of a winding road as to like how you really got started. How did you find the idea for Grappler? Yeah. So early 2021 was when I started training jujitsu and was introduced to it. No, 2022. I was in such a bad place, just like physically, I gained so much weight. Um, The crypto bull market, like I was just at home, I was just eating fast food all the time. Then I was losing money, losing tons of money. Mm -hmm. So like I got into like a really, really dark place. And I ran into a Joe Rogan clip talking about the power of jujitsu. And because like jujitsu is something that you're constantly facing a threat and you are constantly failing to have to learn your way through. And I just heard this clip and I was like, oh, maybe I should go try this out. Then two days later, I got an Instagram ad. It was essentially like six weeks free jujitsu. It wasn't really free. I had to put down like $400 in order to like get skin in the game. But the the deal and the contract was like, I had to show up three times a week at minimum. Mm. And I was somebody that played sports like my entire life. So getting into this was just like, like training routine was something that I was really, really familiar with, but had gone a very long time without doing. So I started training jujitsu and pretty much the second day in, I'm hooked. I told my coach, I was like, yeah, like I am in this. This is amazing. And then fast forward about three months, Bowtie Bull was going on a rampage telling everybody that they need to start a business. 
it's going to be too late if you don't do that, da, 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 you're not going to make it. And I started realizing that because my crypto portfolio just kept on going down. It was down only at that point. So I was like sitting there one day and was like, why don't I start something here? And I saw how much it impacted me and changed. Like I lost 20 pounds. I'm in the best shape of my life right now. And then the rest is kind of history. I just started applying the early stuff on Grappler's Graveyard was honestly so bad. I look at that as like a time period, the first six months of just complete failure. I had no idea what I was doing except for what I was doing on social media because I had previous experience like reposting content and growing accounts. That was about the only thing I knew what I was doing. When it came to the blog post, I had no idea, right? About 12 months in, I had to go back and pretty much like rewrite everything because it was just so bad. It, it was horrible. So- <laughs> That was, that's pretty much been like my journey. That makes sense. And so when you started Grappler's Graveyard, were you thinking, I'm going to start Jiu-Jitsu kind of content across platforms, across this blog post, and I'm going to be an affiliate and I'm going to sell other people's products? Or did you have that end game in mind? Or were you like, I'm just going to make stuff and figure it out? A little bit of both. Right when I started, I bought Bowtie Tetra. Like when you said um, who you were closest with in the jungle mm -hmm. was Buster. I'm closest, I would say, like the mentor wise to Tetra. Mm -hmm. uh, I bought his Substack and really just started reading it. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. Like, I had no idea this is how SEO worked. And then I started building and started realizing, like, oh, people buy jujitsu gear online and then it's transformed into potentially an e commerce brand. And I was like, how do, how else do people make money in, in this field? And there's gyms and, training programs and all different types of things. But really, I'm mainly focused right now on the affiliate side. I'm working with a designer and some manufacturers to get some gear created. But yeah, that was the initial plan was just to be an affiliate. And I, I love it. I think it's like right up, right up my alley of the things I'm interested in, things I like doing, things I'm good at. Okay, super interesting. So you said the first six months were pretty tough. At month 12, you had to go back and rewrite everything. At what point did you make your first dollar? Uh, it was pretty early. Um, I think it was within that first six months. I, I think I had just like some random, I, don't, I really don't even know what it was. I just saw a commission go into Amazon, but then like literally the the next 12 months, I made nothing. So <laughs> really it was like the whole first maybe eight, nine months, I didn't really see anything. And I've only really recently started to make a little bit of money, but still not enough to like, you know, potentially quit my job anytime soon. I'm still having to grind. I'm still having to invest more money. Okay. Interesting. So I took a pretty different approach. I don't think my, my way was in any way better. Um, so I made my account in July of 2021 because Bowtie Bull told me there's an existential threat to your security. You're going to die poor. We're all going to go to this island. You're not going to be invited unless you start a business. So I'm 21 at the time. I'm like, I have no tangible skills that people will want to read or consume or learn about. The only thing I was good at was getting into college. So I started a college essay editing business. And it turns out that a bunch of 30 to 40 year old white men that are in an autonomous collective on the internet have no interest into getting into college. So that one 
dud. We're we're one out of ten on failed businesses. Then yeah. I'm like, okay, I have a little bit of Photoshop experience. So I start making NFTs. This is when NFTs were a big craze. Incredible. I actually sold two NFTs That's for cool. around $80 a piece. The uh, OpenSea fee to sell your first NFT is $62 at the time. So I made about $11 on my first sale for six Incredible. hours of work. But hey, we had learned something. And yeah. then I offhandedly made this video. I don't know if you're familiar with it. At the time, I had like 200 followers just from crap tweeting. Like I had no, no, nothing to offer at the time. Was that Excel file that you did? Yes, it was oh me. Oh God, incredible, <laughs> incredible. For those who don't know, I made the model of how many people are actually going to make it to DGen Island. So I made some, you know, some assumptions to get there and you can watch the video if you have any interest, but it was a hit and Bowtie Bull retweeted it. And I went from 200 followers to 1200 followers in like two weeks thought I was famous like oh my god I'm gonna be rich um and then I started the YouTube channel just because it turned out that like I had a little bit of personality I guess and I started making crypto related videos those excel videos had a little bit of traction and then I did this one video about how American women are fat that one did very well and then Jester told me I should start the podcast. So I started the podcast. So it's just been kind of a winding road. Um, I also made videos for people. So I wouldn't say that like I've landed on YouTube as like, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to make work. But I have yeah. learned a lot about how quickly you can make things really is important. How much can you outsource? How to attract an audience? What do people want? Don't be tied to your passions. Like all of those things. Yeah. But I do think that the mistake I made that you did not make is I went for, I'm just going to try to grow an audience. I'll figure out what to sell them later. That has been trickier than anticipated just because the audience has turned out to be very diverse people of different interests and stuff. And so they're not interested in all the same things. Mm -hmm. Whereas you're like, I'm going to sell affiliate products for jujitsu. That is a very clear market. So in the future, when I try my next thing, I'm just going to be about how do I sell whatever product these people want and just like push yeah. it. And you know, the great thing about just doing what you did, right, is that the next thing that you do is just going to be that much easier because you've already, like you already built these systems. You already kind of understand like those skills that you're only going to be able to pick up through trial, error, failure, and everything along the way. It's just going to be that much easier and it's going to be commoner, right? Some mm -hmm. people are going to buy your stuff because you're commoner, right? Or they're going to buy my stuff because I'm grappler, right? It's, um, they all, everything compounds is what I, I learned, right? Especially when you do something early and, and it translates from six months to 12 months to 18 months to 24 it, it just all builds on top of each other until you have this massive thing that you can then just go deep on. It's incredible. It's incredible. Totally. And I think the fact that we have started so young, I don't know about you, but I could never go back to not prioritizing side businesses in my free time. 100%. How old are you? I am 23. 23. Okay. I just turned 26 and I was literally just talking to a friend two days, uh, two or three days ago over dinner. I was like, I wish I would have started this earlier. Like, 
like would have found this community or something along those lines sooner. I mean, everything works out in its own time at the end of the day, but you know, nonetheless, I spend pretty much every free waking moment that I have. If I'm not like hanging out with friends or going on a hike or doing something, something like errands, I'm working on my business. You know, this is like part of who I am and what I want to do. Like I see myself building websites and building things and applying my knowledge that I have in giving back to the world through business building. I think it's incredible. Yeah. You can never go back to brunch. It's tough. <laughs> exactly. Well, but- once, once we make it, we can go have <laughs> as many brunches as we want on DGen Island, you know? Yeah. It's really interesting. You bring up the point about like, I wish I had started sooner. So Gator, I was talking to Gator about this because I was saying the same thing. Like I was actually saying the opposite. I was like, Sometimes I wish I had not found it at 21 and I had found it at 23 because, man, I'm sure some of those college parties were pretty fun and I didn't go because I was making stupid NFTs that I never sold or didn't get me anywhere. But I understand that I needed to go through all those phases to get where I am now. So I'm kind of joking when I say that. But what he said is you can't like look backwards like that. I mean, we have found this thing very early we are doing something very few people our age are taking the time to do. Everything is just extra is how I see it. Yeah, you're totally right. You know, uh, I, I think it's super easy to, especially with like the way social media is today in the world to look and be like a young person and then see this random person on the internet talking about how they made all this money at this age and be like, oh man, I wish I would have done this or I wish I'd done that and compare yourself. But nonetheless, right, it's important to realize that we did find something great. We found a fantastic community early on in our life and in our career. And, you know, we're seizing the opportunity every moment. So one question I have is that, you know, Gen Z gets a ton of shit. Do you think that our generation is cursed or is slow and they're addicted to their phones and they have no drive? What's your experience with that? So... I know Gen Z, like my friends, some of them are just absolute killers, right? Like making way over six figures, like quarter of a million dollars in sales, like Mm -hmm. literally stone cold killers, right? That not a lot, like, but there's not a lot of them. At the same time, I see both sides of the spectrum. I'm not going to lie. Like there are weirdos out there. Like some people are just flat out weird and they're are hustlers in our in our generation that I think that should not be overlooked. Obviously, the jungle is doing it right in the essence that they reward people that actually like put in the work, right? Mm-hmm. Regardless of generation, it doesn't really matter. So if you're gonna put in the work, regardless of what generation you're in, you know, I think you'll be you'll be fine. Especially, oh my God, if you put in the work in Gen Z, it's literally so easy. Like mm-hmm. you're playing life on easy mode because everybody is fucking like you said, addicted to their phone addicted to nicotine, addicted to something, cocaine or whatever the fucking, the new thing is, TikTok. When you look at people that, all you need to do is just really copy the formula for people that have actually done it. And once you do that and apply it for a long enough period of time, you're gonna get the results. I'm literally a living example of that in every way of my life. At the end of the day, I just listened to people that were smarter than me, that, that did the thing that I wanted to do. And I think just a lot of, a lot of people in general just don't listen. Like if you listen and apply this <laughs> thing that, that, that work, it works. 
that's literally why they're where they are. Like, just listen to what people have to say and, and you'll be you'll be good. Apply, apply it in every way. It's really funny that you say that because I was just editing the podcast with Mahi this morning and like half of it was just him being like, people are freaking lazy. They're listening to these dumbass gurus. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so true. Because we hang out in the jungle, I have become hyper aware of like people selling like fake shit, right? Like fake courses and these fake gurus. Like when you're actually around and like in a community of people of the caliber in the jungle, you see that stuff, I get repulsed from it. I'm like, dude, what, like, why are you doing that to people? I hate scammers. You know how much of a low life you have to be to go and do that to people? It's ridiculous. Some people just don't know better. Yeah. And I do think that Gen Z, a large portion, as you're saying, is just looking for the easy pill. So I was thinking about this a couple of days ago. So at least from my education growing up, it was never super challenging, not because I'm a genius, but because it was just memorization based. If you memorize this thing, if you learned this one mathematical formula, you would do well on the test. And that really continued you know, even through college, it wasn't super, super hard. I think college inflates grades just as much as high school does now. The only time I've been really challenged is with YouTube. When it's like, there is no formula. You have to figure this out for what do these people want to see? Why is this not working? Like real critical thinking, which is so funny because you think that you're going to have that struggle in calculus, but I'm having it making TikToks. So it's so fascinating. Yeah. I mm -hmm. think a lot of college for me was really eye-opening because I'm the first person to have gone to college in my family. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I, I mean, nobody really knows what they wanted to do when they go to college, but like, I didn't even know you could go and become an engineer. I didn't know any of these things, like these basic things that people would have access to, right? Like that wasn't a thing in my high school that they would ask. So I went into that period just like like a sponge. And I learned so much about myself, about life, helping me to be a better thinker and to think critically. Such a valuable skill in today's world. Because if you apply it, understand how the internet works and like like a like YouTube or Instagram, TikTok or any of these platforms, you can literally make a killing off doing it and applying what you're learning. Yeah. And I think that some people still make fun of content creators. And I totally understand why, like the influencers who just show the makeup or whatever, but it's the new marketing engine. If you're not on the train, you're behind, like this is not going anywhere. So I think learning short form content, it took me a year to get good at it, to be honest, confidence in my ability to do it now. And I think that's going to pay dividends no matter what. If I want to test a product, I can make five TikToks, five shorts about it pretty quickly with good hooks, figure out if people have any interest in it. Mm -hmm. And that's a skill that you takes you probably a year to learn. But now you can do that in a day and you have an, okay, not it. This isn't a good idea. Or there, this is an audience, but they don't like this product. Like that is mm -hmm. such a valuable thing. And you, you have to learn how to do it first. Yeah. hundred percent. And so you've had some serious success on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Like you've got like, what, 50,000 followers on Instagram? Close. I got 47 currently. And so what, do you have any secret sauce, any recommendations to those listening on how you were able to grow an audience like that? So at the end of the day, 
these platforms want one thing, right? They want people's attention and they want people to continuously scroll to stay on their phone. So it's really just a volume game, particularly on Instagram, right? Because I was going the reposting route to build a page initially. Um, I, I learned about reposting prior to when I started grappling, Grappler's Graveyard. Um, I was working for a venture capital firm my senior year of college. And I was working on a project that was basically, have you heard of Fuck Jerry? Yes. Okay, the media company, right? So it's like, they for anybody that doesn't know, they're a very, very large Instagram account that literally built their entire business, entire media empire by reposting content and reposting memes. I think they have like 16 million followers or something like that. They're a huge brand. And the venture capitalist at the firm that I was working at had had a conversation with the founders at Fuck Jerry, realized how profitable their business was and how valuable um, like a, of a sourcing opportunity because they wanted to find investments, right? They wanted to build, an, a, build a page to have a, as a sourcing opportunity. So they tasked somebody young in the firm to do that. And that was me. So I learned how to make memes and do all this stuff. This is around when like TikTok and um, TikTok started taking off, like really taking off and reels had become a, a thing. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I just learned, I built an account pretty much from zero making memes and scheduling out these memes just surely off of volume. It's, it's truly a numbers game. Gary V talks about it all the time. Like if you want to grow on Instagram, because it's such a mature platform, they're going to throttle your growth. You're going to have to like overcompensate for that throttling, right? In the first six, seven months, eight months that I had my Instagram page, I posted 600 reels, you know? Whoa. Like, yes, I was, I, I'm not even kidding you, commoner. The first six months that I was building Grappler's Graveyard was, it's actually like a blur, but it's also like, I was working like a maniac every single morning, every single night, every single day of the week. I was working, I was posting three or four times a day on both TikTok and Instagram. I was posting a blog post, a shitty written blog post, right? Now that I look back at it, because those first six months sucked. But like I was really doing a lot. My my roommates can attest to it, right? Like they saw me literally every morning. So waking up at like six o'clock, seven o'clock in the morning, working before work, go to my nine to five. I'd be posting content while working at my nine to five in between calls. And then when I get off work, I'd either be training jujitsu or posting content or working on contents. So that's really the formula. It, it's just, it's not sexy. It's not, you know, like some hashtag strategy, but like there are strategies in, in terms of like finding hashtags and using trending sounds. Nonetheless, it was just a pure volume play for me and capitalizing on trending sounds at the time. So yeah, I relate to that, but not to that extent. I think I have 200 or so videos on my YouTube channel and I've had it for a year, year and a half. So like 600 reels is a lot, which is really, really impressive. I have one piece of alpha for Instagram. I do not know why the people hate Megan Rapino. I don't know if you know who Megan Rapino is. I don't even know who Megan Rapino is. Okay, she's this soccer player. She's oh, really yes, the pink-haired girl. Yeah, she's really okay. annoying, like really insufferable. She kneels for the flag. She's got a Nike endorsement. She retired recently. Um, I posted a short on Instagram in July 
of her and it was basically her being annoying with a like um she screwed up on the field so like her kicking the ball like way over the goal missing the penalty kick or whatever yeah. i had 400 followers on instagram and maybe like nine posts 3.5 million views what on That's- that short because that is really alpha right like truly if you i mean i hate to say it right like when there is conversation in the comments or and you you mix it with some type of sound or anything along those lines all it takes is literally one video right for the first two months because i i I communicated with bowtie white bat a lot early in the the building process of this he's the one that kind of like verified that reposting could potentially work for what I was doing so I was like okay I'm just gonna go completely autistic and do this (laughs) um and early on I remember posting on TikTok having some success grew grew to a thousand I have 15,000 on TikTok just doing the same strategy right I stopped posting on TikTok for various reasons but I I trained when I transitioned over to Instagram the first like month and a half I was getting like 10 views i had less than like 10 Mm -hmm. 20 30 views like maybe 100 i was hyped for 500 views and then i had this one video that literally went for like like you said i had this one video with this one crazy sound that went for i think 2 million views and it literally i skyrocketed from like 100 followers to a thousand right and then i had another video like shortly after that do like 250,000 views and then it just 1,000 to 5,000 and then 5,000 to 20 and then 20 to 40. Bull talks about it. He's like, you have these moments of plateau and then you skyrocket and then you plateau and then skyrocket. And that's, that's what growth looks like. Right. Mm -hmm. And that was Instagram for me. Sometimes it's not a plateau. Sometimes it's a regression and that is very painful. You think the constant working with no sign of progress is bad. Try constant working and you're getting less views than you used to. Like that is a dagger in the heart. Like I wasted all this time, all this work. Like I've lost my opportunity. I've absolutely been there too. And then something happens and you get 3 million views on Instagram and you're like, there's a million dollar toothpaste company out there. I'm not in Quentin. Sorry. You know, commoner, I actually, I haven't told anybody this, but 12 months in, I had like a complete mental breakdown because Mm -hmm. like that regression was so 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 painful that like i literally one day i was like dude i'm i'm fucking quitting along the side of posting content i was obviously writing blog content as well but in june my search results like got hammered and i don't really know what it was right and at that point i'm just seeing my search results and clicks just go down the fucking toilet and i remember like it plateauing and just flatlining for three months and I was like dude I felt like a fraud in every way shape and form I got all these followers on Instagram but like my blog is shitty I'm not getting any clicks I'm not getting any views on my website like what's the point of all this and then you know I I had that moment of like complete despair where I thought like nothing was going to work out I was going to be a complete failure I was going to eat bugs Mm -hmm. and the next morning I woke up and I worked because yep. I said, you know what? I'm committed to this. I truly think that the world is going to a really, really weird place. And all the signs are on the wall that shit's going to hit the fan. Why would I want to set myself up, my potential future family, and then my 
my mom, my brother, and like all the people I care about to be in that boat of people. I don't want that. That's the last thing I'm going to let. Like if I am walking and have a working brain, I'm not going to let the people I care about struggle. If if I have a say in it, I, I thought about that when mm-hmm. I had that moment and woke up the next morning and just continue to work. All my search results have gone pretty much parabolic and I'm sitting in a much more comfy spot in that respect. So <laughs> crazy how things work out. I mean, I had a similar uh, problem over the summer and it was really just because my day job was just killing me and I didn't realize how bad it was until I got onto a new project and I realized like that is not what I signed up for. But basically I was like, hey man, I work pretty hard at my day job. Like it's okay if I don't post on Twitter. It's okay if I don't make this YouTube video. Like I I work pretty hard, you know, like this, I'm 23. I have a hard job. Like I'm paying my rent. I got out of debt. Like I'm doing good. I'm really doing good. I swear. And then I would just like check back in on Twitter, see everybody building things, see everybody doing well. I'm like checking my YouTube uh, account and I've plateaued. I'm not getting a lot of new views. I'm like, it's okay. It's really, I'm not, I'm not sad about it. And I tried to quit. I tried to watch the real housewives and go to brunch and like do other things. And it just, I was not happy. Like there's no relief in quitting. Cause you know, it's, you know, like I got to 2000 subscribers on YouTube. I got to a thousand followers on Twitter, 50,000 followers on Instagram. I'm going to quit now when I was in the trenches. Are you kidding? And then, you know, you come back and you're like, all right, dust it off. I said the same thing to myself. I was like, and I was like, what am I going to do on, on my weekends? Like when I have nothing to do, am I just going to sit there and watch football? Like, no, I, I don't care about that shit. I care about building businesses and making money and seeing my friends win. Like that's so much cooler than anything else that you can just kind of throw at me. That's like quote unquote normie, right? Like it doesn't sound fun. It sounds miserable in all, <laughs> especially when you know what else is out there, what's possible. Yeah. You can't turn it off. It is what it is. We will suffer through it for the rest of our lives. And at the end of the day, like if I do it, I'm not going to have a regret because I learned something along the way. I meet cool people, whatever the case may be. We're all going to die one day. When you're old and wrinkly and can't work as hard as you can in your 20s, like you're going to sit back and be like, what if? Like, we're not going to have that that dialogue. We're going to be like, damn, like that was so cool that I did X, Y, Z. When I signed up, I was just trying to make a buck. I wasn't thinking about long-term community, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And that has been absolutely the coolest thing ever. Do you think you ever would have started this journey with Grappler's Graveyard or just a side business on the internet in general, if you had not found Bowtie Bull? I think so. So I I think that eventually I would have started something. I just didn't know the route. Again, like my real life, like IRL just feels like I never really felt like I had that support to like either buy something or retweet something or have an opportunity to like grow, you know, like that initial growth is super important. And it's, uh, it's important for the psyche in the sense, like, if you're constantly speaking into the void, it's very demoralizing. No one's re- retweeting you. No one's like showing any kind of support. When you have that like initial push that people are kind of like rooting for you, it feels so much, you're like, oh yeah, I, like people like this. Like, this is cool. I'm getting a little bit of, I'm at, even if it's like 200 followers or 
you have that one retweet from that one big account that just changes that gives you 800 followers like that's insane Mm -hmm. for especially in the beginning and I always felt like I lacked that initially so I'd always start something and then it would fizzle out and then I'd start something and it fizzled out and I'd start something and it fizzled out but I knew that when I found the jungle that the 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 quote-unquote policy is like like ignore or promote right like that's like super important especially for those that actually like put in the work in the beginning like that that support goes does not go unnoticed at least on my end what Mm. what do you think oh like as in someone retweeting you when you're just starting out yeah oh absolutely huge especially for like your confidence you're just like or a simple dm like a simple sign of encouragement like Everybody would know when I was like trying to do something online pre Bowtide that I'd be trying to do something, but like it wouldn't, it would just be met with crickets. Like people would be like, oh, like, okay, he's doing this now. He's doing this now. Oh, a thousand percent. And if anything, you get chirped at. Yeah, exactly. I know that shouldn't like get to you, but it got to me in some, in some respect, I was just like trying to build something, trying to create something that was worthwhile because I know that. You only get one, you only get one shot at this whole thing. And I think it's a waste of life if you don't at least try. Mm-hmm. And, and when I say try, I like, I mean like commit to something, right? Because like, like I said earlier, there's like a difference between trying and committing. I feel like up until Grappler's Graveyard, I was just trying things. And then once I kind of found the jungle and actually like got a little bit of momentum in the beginning, I was like, wow, I'm really gonna like do this. Like I'm committed to this, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a very subtle difference there. Oh, I, I completely really. I also think building it into your routine is so powerful as in, in other times when I've tried things, I would spend like 12 hours in one Saturday just writing like crazy or setting up a website or in Photoshop and I do it the next day and then I burn out and I'd be tired or I'd be like, ah, like whatever, this isn't really a thing anymore or something like that. Whereas with this, I was a little bit more pragmatic. I was like one hour a day at this every day. And then on the weekends, obviously more because I have more free time, but one hour a day. Don't give up for a year, one hour a day. And then that mm-hmm. one hour sometimes becomes two or three years. But I think that building it into the routine of like, did you hit your hour today? Nope. Open up the computer. So true. I was like, okay, one year, I'm going to do this every single day. And I'm going to commit to doing this one, this little thing every single day and take that little step. And then what that first little step turned into two steps and then it turned into three steps. And it was like posting on TikTok, posting on Instagram, writing my blog, and then it just kind of like snowballs. And then once you get that, have that little bit of push and momentum behind what you're building and people start to notice, it's, it's just, it just builds on each other. And then when you're 12 months in, you have a mental breakdown at the end and you look back and be like, oh shit, like I'm sitting on a blog with X amount of words on it and Instagram followers of XYZ. Why would I quit now? Like there's literally no point. Let me have my moment and then I'll just get back to work. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think a lot of people will be interested to hear the Gen Z, the younger perspective about why you felt the need to start now at two years ago, maybe at 24, 25, you started really honing in on your side business. I imagine like rent wasn't a hard thing to make. Like you had enough money to do that. What was like the reason why you started now earlier in your life? I, like I said earlier, 
I listen to people that are ahead of me and where I want to be. Obviously, having a degree in economics and a knack for finance and investing and all that stuff, I'm seeing it play out in the markets. I just knew like the writing is literally on the wall. Like if I want to have the life I personally envision to have, and I've always wanted like this sense of freedom to be able to do as I please when I please, like and work on things that I personally care about rather than working for a corporation. I just knew like, it's either now or never, and I'm not going to never do it. I'm going to do it. So I might as well just do it now. That's interesting. I also relate to like, I don't have any other way out. You have to start a business. You have to sell it for the multiple if you want that freedom from the exchange from time for money. The thing that really instigated it for me though was COVID because we had just been locked in our houses for a year and a half at the time. I felt like I was out of control in my life and that like I have been raised on you work hard, you go to college, you're going to get a great job and you're going to have an upper middle class life and you're going to yep. do fine. And yep. it was this moment of I'm sitting at home because I am literally locked in my house. They're printing trillions of not trillions, but whatever dollars. And I am powerless. Like they lied. There's nothing I can do about this. I am mm -hmm. trapped in my house. I have no none of the freedom I thought I would. This has all been bullshit. And I have been a victim of it. And then don't get me started on the vaccine. So I'm sitting there. I sign the letter for my job when I graduate from college. And then the vaccine gets mandated for both college and for this job. So I am like staring down the gun saying, you need to get this vaccine to show up on day one. And it's a year ahead, though. So I'm like, a lot can happen in a year. I am not yeah. going to get the vaccine just yet, but just in case, it's probably a good idea to get some of that independence that I was looking for, because that was like the clearest example of, I want fuck you money. So if people tell me to do something I don't want to do, I can tell them to go fuck themselves. Literally right there. You know, when you create your own business and create your own source of income, it's just, you're not controlled by the powers that be in that sense because like that was actually insane this whole ordeal like it was two years ago and, and it feels like so long ago mm -hmm. that it was that was like oh it's a distant past and it like gets swept under the rug yeah the piece about them sweeping it under the rug they took two years of a lot of people's lives and it's not no longer discussed at all and that is a grievance felt i would argue by our generation far more than Gen X millennials. Because if you were a millennial during COVID, you know, you got to work from home in your pajamas. If you're a Gen Z in COVID, you're like me, you're sent home from college, you missed two out of four years of college. Or mm -hmm. you are a 14 year old and you have to do middle school online. I will never get over it. I will die angry. Would you say that like politics is a focus for you at all right now? Oh, I haven't cared more about politics at any point in my life than I have now we're seeing it play out in like real time like yeah it doesn't have like a direct impact on my day-to-day -day life but it has an impact on like innocent bystanders I just don't want to live in an America where like it feels corrupt in every type of way and everyone's just constantly scamming each other for their own self-gain and that's what it feels like what, what do you what do you think on that yeah, I struggle with it because in 2020, I was really, really invested because I thought that this was 
the the battle for the West in 2020. And if we lost, we were going to lose the Senate and then it would be a one party rule and they would just cram all of these things down our throats. Luckily, that didn't happen with all the Supreme, basically Supreme Courts. I struggle with caring because I have no faith in anyone that's close to the system doing what is right for the common people. And I am Mm -hmm. more concerned with building my and my family's raft out of this. And then from a place of money and time, perhaps I will care. But I just can't force myself to right now. That's probably selfish. And Cernovich would probably yell at me, but that's where I'm at. Honestly, I don't blame you because I'm kind of like the same way. I know that I kind of counteracted Mm. what I said, but I care. But then again, I'm like, okay, I'm building my raft. It may not even happen the way that we envision. It may not all burst into flames. There may be something that happens that, you know, we start going on the right trajectory. And then in that case, right, we have best of both worlds. We have a business that's doing great uh, or, or that you're working on and building. And you have a thriving environment that you feel safe in and that you feel like we're headed in the right direction. So those are all possibilities that can happen. Obviously, it's pretty bleak right now. But at the same time, like, I, I don't discount, like, other positive things from happening as well. Yeah, I agree with that. It feels like it would be a slow but perhaps rapiding, um, rapiding decline, you know, of freedom and just expendable income based on inflation and the cost of living. I was thinking about this the other day because I was listening to Vivek Ramaswamy on Patrick McDavid. Bowtie Bull says, don't listen to podcasts. And I'm like, I when I go on my hot girl walk, I always listen to podcasts. So but, I go on the hot guy walks too. <laughs> it's a it's a movement. It but is the it's- best thing of Gen Z has ever made is the hot girl yes. walk. And that's entirely yes. us. That is not millennials. But anyway. Yeah, no, we're gonna take credit for that. That's our <laughs> we so anybody taking walks, you're now having a hot, hot boy and hot girl walk. Sorry. But I was listening to him on it and he is a very good speaker and he was kind of inspiring to some regard about like curing corruption and the American spirit and all those things. And it did make me think like America is still here. Like when you walk down the street and you see small businesses on Main Street or you see families playing in their front yard, like we're still here. It's not like they've just taken everything. It's not like we're staring down the barrel of a gun. It's just we've yeah. lost control of the thing that governs us. And my favorite class in college was about, essentially, we lost the government that was designed for us. So we talk about the American Republic. We talk about the separation of powers. No one alive has lived in Hamilton and Jefferson's America. We lost it in the 20s. And it's just unimaginably different. And so I just, I am sad. I wish for that America. So I don't know. I am I am conflicted as well. I hope that we'll have side note. It sounds like you think about Roman history, the Roman Empire a lot. Yeah, I think I think the one thing that would fix this would be getting the money fair. So no longer inflationary, no longer controlled by yeah, the central I bank. I think about that pretty often. I, I'm super deep into crypto. I've been in crypto since 2017. So many people are sidelined right now, right? Like they're they're struggling paying for bills. They're they're having to sell their crypto positions to like live, you know? So is it the answer? I have no idea. Like I'm super curious to see how it all plays out, but I do agree. I think that you even out the money, you kind of even out the playing field. 
Oh, totally. There's a really high barrier to entry because it's so risky. You need to be able to pay all of your bills comfortably, have your safety net, have your retirement, and then you can think about potentially investing in crypto right now. 100%. Um, yeah. I was talking to Nolan. I can't pronounce his last name. Bowerle. He's r- way smarter than me. Half the things he said went way over my head. But he was saying that once the energy markets are denominated in Bitcoin because they're no longer going to use the petrodollar due to inflation, they're going to try some other crap fiat currency, probably from China. Once they say we need fair money to trade oil, that's when Bitcoin will become you know, this, the cornerstone of the economy and we'll have a fair system. And he said, yeah. all you need is the energy companies to get on board and see that this is more profitable for them. I've never had somebody say that, but I 100% see that because when you are an energy company, it makes sense to invest into cryptocurrencies, especially because like if you're using renewable, like I'm a huge bull on uranium. I took this energy economics class um, my senior year of college and we learned about uranium and how powerful of an energy resource it is. Like ever since that point, I've been like, yo, why the fuck are we not using uranium in nuclear mm-hmm. energy? Well, it's because we're trying to bomb each other with it. Like if we get it out of the wrong people's hands, I think there's always going to be that danger with it. But from an energy standpoint, it just like totally makes sense. If you want to talk about like climate change and all these fucking hot topic things, it's like, dude, shut up and build nuclear power plants. Like there's the answer to your problem. It's literally right there Mm -hmm. because the output of energy that comes out of those things versus the investment that it takes to actually build them is just so like wide and you're able to power so much with nuclear energy. Um, Imagine a crypto mining company is buying nuclear energy or using nuclear fuel to power their, their operations. And then it's just like, oh, it makes sense for energy companies to funnel that money back into it because it's so massively profitable because energy is cheap. So that that's a that's a really interesting take and i and i can see that actually playing out i i believe that bitcoin and cryptocurrencies are obviously here to stay that i don't think that's like a hot topic by any means but um yeah. how we get there is going to be so fast i think that we're living through some of the most interesting times in human history commoner it's actually insane i know so much is happening so much and we're coming to age and being able to see all this stuff and have it be recorded online on like essentially a an immutable ledger right like you can always find something on the internet that's like unprecedented in human history like we're going to be able to go back at any point in any time of this period of the internet 500 years from now and be like look like we're being studied like that's insane to think yeah and i mean in the past you would have read what someone wrote in a letter or wrote in a speech to understand history now you will be able to see 4000 youtube videos on the topic on the day that it happened mm-hmm. i have one question cuz i think people listening may not fully understand our perspective growing up gen z so i was in like elementary school middle school from whatever 2004 to 2010 2012 I thought that global warming was an existential crisis. I thought that I was going to need a gas mask around college time. Like they instilled so much fear in us as kids about drought, fire, raising uh, water levels, all those types of things. Just wondering if that was your experience too. 
hundred percent. My freshman year of college, I stopped eating meat. I went vegan and lost like nuts, astronomical amount of weight because I was like, save the cows. And I watched this documentary on cowspiracy. Did you ever watch that? No, I've never heard that one. Okay, it was about like how cow farts are basically ruining the planet. Wow, it was insane. And the like, they're like destroying the rainforest. And I had just taken a class on on deforestation so i'm like all on my pedestal about you know global warming and all that stuff and then like i mean i went back to eating meat and stuff like that because i was like dude what the fuck am i doing i lost <laughs> way too much weight like that's insane being vegan is actually nuts like not not for me now that i know that there's an answer to it right with fucking nuclear it's like dude the answer is so plain and simple in my head when I, when I took that class, I was like, dude, oh, this is not anything to worry about. All we need to do is just invest into nuclear. Like, that just makes sense. You just need to not bomb each other with it. Yeah, I agree. And I just wanted to bring that up because I think the indoctrination doesn't get a fair portrayal. So for people listening who aren't Gen Z, who see these insane climate activists, and I'm not justifying what they're doing, like throwing paint on art or sitting in the streets blocking traffic, like obviously stupid, ignorant things to do. But when you've been told that you're going to die, everyone you love is going to die since you were young, I don't think people understand how much that message was like pushed on us. So I just wanted to make that call as a Jen's advocate for my generation that it was not right. And even let's say let's say that it's true. Let's say that the world is going to blow up. I don't really think you should be telling a six year old that because the health was I going to do. You're yeah. just making me nervous. <laughs> yeah, you're just making me nervous. I feel like the rabbit holes you go down on the internet, especially early on in life, really fucking matter. <laughs> because like, if you get down some crazy rabbit hole that leads you to some type of wild world is ending type thing, like it'll like fuck you up for a little bit, you know. And you go down the rabbit hole of the jungle, right? You you get red pilled by Bowtie Bull or by Tetra or Possum or some of the, some of these other guys, these killers. That that leads to a different outcome. Everything leads to a specific outcome. And I tend to believe I've actually thought about this recently. Is that the rabbit holes you go down actually matter, mm-hmm. especially in life, uh, because they can really influence the way that you think for the good or for the worse. Absolutely. I so just jokingly my my brother showed me Alex Jones, but mm-hmm. I showed him the Bowtie Jungle. So who really saved who? You know what I'm saying? He saved you. Let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> but um I totally agree and I think choosing who to follow is actually a big deal because you're curating the stuff you're going to read every single day. So you can't read some black matter stuff every single day is bad for you this has been fantastic conversation thank you so much for taking the time to come on for those who are listening where should they go to see more of your stuff yeah i would say follow me on twitter at bowtie grappler um that's the best place if you train jujitsu just stay up to date maybe follow grappler's graveyard on um on instagram but nonetheless, I am most active on my Twitter, Bowtie Grappler, again. I do plan on starting another website here in the near future, so maybe I'll come back on and talk about that a little bit more. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's where they can find me. Awesome. And all the links will be in the description. So thank you again and have a great rest of your day. 
Thank you so much for listening. This has been yet another episode of Common Sense. If you liked the conversation, please consider hitting that follow button on Spotify. Oh, and tell everyone you've ever met to do the same. And while you're feeling generous, why not subscribe to my YouTube channel? I promise I've ridiculed at least one of the identity groups. You